to you from Podcast Detroit. It's Heard, your food, beverage, and hospitality podcast. Please take a second to subscribe on iTunes. And for future episode information and additional content, head over to HerdPodcast.com and follow us on Instagram at HerdPodcast. Hello and welcome to Herd, your food, beverage, and hospitality podcast. Thank you for downloading and listening. I'm Joe Hakeem, and tonight I'm joined by Nick. Hello. Dave. Whammy. Jason. Pleasure to be here. And our special guest, Joe Robb, managing partner at Standby and The Skip in Detroit and partner in Bailout Productions, an event planning company focused on bringing great cocktails to the masses. Hey, Joe. How's it going? Did you fit that on a business card? Yeah, all of it. All of it? Okay. Yeah, it's 8 by 11, but... <laughs> Those are the best kind of business cards. Yeah. So, Joe, <clears throat> uh, as managing partner at Standby, uh, kind of explain what the um, focus of Standby is in the skip. Uh, yeah, so at the time, Standby, um, there was, of course, the Sugar House, pretty much the staple cocktail bar in Detroit. Um, and I was visiting a lot of other cities and something that, I noticed when I went to some of the world's most renowned bars is like, oh, these guys have food. And that makes total sense. Like, instead of having two drinks and having to take off, like, people can have two drinks, chill, hang out, uh, get some food, stay for the food, and then have another cocktail. Um, it, it doesn't have to be, uh, oh, shit, I'm getting drunk. Let's go somewhere else, grab some food, because uh, it's hard to get them back after that. Um, but, but really the, uh, the intent with opening was cocktails to be the forefront and I wanted to do 50 cocktails. I wanted to use pretty much all the different like techniques and styles and kind of fit everything on the menu, but display it in a way that was approachable, um, and fun and, uh, outgoing, um, and categorizing the menu by spirit along with adding little uh, a few flavor descriptors, I think, really help people feel comfortable and, and not overwhelmed. So I, I know a lot of times um, I go into a cocktail bar and um, even if, you know, I, I feel like I'm pretty knowledgeable in different spirits, liqueurs, whatever, but it's a lot of times even the proportions of a cocktail. You, you don't know what you're getting into because it says, you know, um, gin, Campari, uh, balsam syrup and lemon. Like it could be an ounce of Campari. It could be a bar spoon of Campari. Like you don't really know what you're getting into. So I think those descriptors really help, um, kind of surpass and, and supplement the, the ingredients. And when you say descriptors, you're talking about like, um, words like bitter, sour. Yeah. Floral, smelly. fruity, verdant. Uh, green, herbaceous, fresh, herbaceous. Yeah, it's a better one. Luscious? No, that's not one. Luscious, <laughs> moist, oh, creamy, sinful. <laughs> I think one of the things that I really liked about Skip is um, you did kind of. I feel like push the bounds on some of the techniques in Detroit. Standby. What did I say? Skip. Skip as well, but standby. Um, when you first launched, I believe you guys were the first ones to maybe on a large scale do the um, 
the CO, not CO2, liquid, liquid nitrogen. nitrogen. Yeah. Um, were you the first to have a centrifuge? Uh, yep. Besides the, uh, one other, one other short stint I had with the centrifuge okay. for a couple of weeks. So what, is, what does that do? What does the centrifuge, what does it do for cocktails? So it, it just separates very simply. It separates solid from liquid. Um, so if you take it like juicing bananas, have you ever juiced a banana before? It doesn't really work. It doesn't. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a mush. <laughs> it's a mush. So you, if you just take straight bananas or strawberries or like anything that's fibrous, rhubarb, um, any vegetable fruit that just doesn't really work in a juicer, uh, you add a little bit of Pectinex SPL. This is an enzyme that helps break down different fruit, vegetables. Um, and then you run it through the center, centrifuge, you'll be left with all the solids at the bottom and a crystal clear, uh, liquid on top. And, and I, I think it's one of the wild things about using a centrifuge is you can really add a lot of attractiveness to a cocktail because you can take what would be like a cloudy juice, fruit juice, and make it this crystal clear, beautiful thing. And I think we do eat and drink with our eyes. So that really helps, I think, make the cocktails a little more approachable too. Yeah, absolutely. And, and on top of just actually just the flavors, the new flavors it, it brings to drinks, um, it definitely helps with keg cocktails, something something mm-hmm. else that we do a lot of. Like when we make our own tonic syrup with uh, chincona powder, um, we run that through the centrifuge too mm-hmm. so that all that Powdery powder nonsense gets yeah. taken out so uh, the liquid is completely clear and it's easier and better to carbonate. That worked really well for Pepsi. Yeah. Great product. That's, That's one of Nick's favorites. So I was going to throw it in there. I, I really liked I really liked um, seeing standby. Obviously, great execution, but also so um, readily accepted by uh, Detroiters in the city of Detroit. And like, obviously, doing very progressive things, but doing it in a way that it's not is, just technique for technique. Yeah, it's not technique yeah. for technique. The dr- the drinks are great, and it's also just a cool place. And it's not like again we've talked about a little bit about this before, but like we're sort of throwing away the old idea of like, oh, you, we have to differentiate ourselves. It's just a cool bar with great fucking drinks, you know? And I just, I think it's just, a, I think it was a very important step in our um, culinary scene, you know? It, important evolution. Past like the speakeasy thing that we did, and, you know, and we're kind of stagnating in that, and, you know, and then I just think it was a, a logic, you know, natural uh, but important progression. In, in what we're doing. Yeah, and, and and that that was something that was very very important to me it was when we were opening like uh, you know I I had been in Detroit since 2008 and I've uh, been working at Rose for the for the most part but really experienced Detroit and um the city inspired me the the people inspired me um it was a more accepting place and like a uh, community driven place and that I've ever been a part of. And I really wanted to make the bar somewhere that everybody from Detroit could appreciate, but also still like be really challenging for me and whatever staff we would eventually hire. So when, when he came out with this, did you guys feel like all of a sudden like crap, now we got to do liquid nitrogen and all this stuff. Did you feel like pressured by that or you just like let him do his thing? No, I don't. I mean, I don't really think that way. I think that like, uh, you know, Sugar House, we have these seasonal things and sometimes we're like, oh, let's do something kind of mixed, like um, 
gastronomical kind of, you know, and play with some of those things. But generally speaking, like we're just doing what we do and he does what he does. And then, you know, I think that Yanni's, you could look at bad luck in a sense as an, as another step or a response, like as a market response to what Joe's doing, because Yanni is starting to get into some of those deeper things, but even still probably not quite what Joe's doing. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, I just think it's a, it's like, I, I don't, I'm still of the opinion that, um, the rising tide brings Helps all boats up. higher up. Right, I don't right. know how the expression is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, I just think it's better for everybody. Like, it's better for, like, I'm not, I mean, obviously we would love to get a James Beard nomination for our cocktail program, but like, I love that Joe got one because that's awesome for the city, you know, and all of these beard nominations that we're getting are just better for the city. And, and it's not like, it's not like me versus Joe. It's like Detroit versus Chicago. Sure. Absolutely. Or Detroit versus fucking indie so would standby have happened if antietam hadn't happened first uh no uh i don't think so um was that the plan in antietam to kind of take it this way or not at all absolutely not because i mean i I think any space like there's so much that dictates a bar or and or a restaurant um and obviously with antietam it was it was this the space dictated mm-hmm. the cocktail pro- program and the food. Um, when was, you say that, is it like just like back of the house does not have a lot of room or? A lot of things. Logistics, okay. vibe, aesthetic, uh, the drinks, uh, the room, mm-hmm. uh, the food, the like the era of the decor. Sure. Um, uh, there's, I, I think, just so much that goes into every single space. And um, with with standby, it, it like. With Antietam, I, I was kind of fitting my program and some kind of things that I wanted to do into what already existed. But standby was a blank slate. Like it was just all new, all fresh. And I was lucky enough to have partners that, um, basically just trusted me and, and crazily enough to, um, like just, telling everything to them and like asking for this or that they're like all right you know best like the whole time through like there's very little pushback it was just like you know if anything just great creative input and and help with with everything but pretty much every idea or thought i had it was just like you're the expert like you know best and so you mentioned about uh having food to pair with the cocktails or to not, not necessarily pair, but to have alongside the cocktails so people don't have to leave. Um, how was, was your cocktail menu at all, uh, colored by the menu that was presented at first? And is it, has it progressed as chefs have changed there at standby? I would say not so much. Uh, honestly, the, uh, the cocktails, I, I kind of treat separately. There, there definitely are, are some things that, um, I pick up from, um, certain dishes I've had, or if there's like a byproduct of some sort of ingredient, or if, um, there's something in house that, uh, is like on the food menu, um, maybe I'll reach for it and, and grab it. And, and just by happenstance, like by just things being under that roof, then yeah, there, there's some like synchronicity there. Yeah. Or, uh, tamarind or, mm-hmm. uh, chili arable or uh whatever's on the menu like a a lot of times i'll see some flavor combos and want to work off those or 
mess around with them. Is there any sense of customers com- coming through that are expecting an experience where the food is paired with drinks, or is that something that's like not really an issue? Um, I don't think too many people are are expecting that, but there's definitely cocktails for all the food, like and. and I think most of the staff, especially the bartenders, r- really know how to do that if somebody makes that request. Uh, but for the mo- most part, um, it's not definitely not a focus. Like, like we're we're, we're not um, trying to push certain cocktails with with certain uh, food items. I think if if anything, more so, we've had some desserts that we suggest cocktails with. Like, um, God, I'm trying to remember what, what we've done, but like, uh, we had s- some specific house-made chocolates that we paired with, uh, a beer cocktail, beer and cognac cocktail that we had on the nitro tap that just happened to go really well. It was like, a uh, um, chili to our bowl and chocolate. And we had a, uh, the Port Austin, which was, um, milk wash cognac, founders porter. Um, and it's been a while. Ancho Reyes chili liqueur and like a clove port wine syrup that was on nitro. And that was something the chef loved, like uh, a pairing between the chocolate and that. So it was something we always suggested. Um, but for the most part, we kind of keep them separate, like order your drink, order your food. Yeah, I think that's an interesting concept. And what you're kind of getting at is like you can order a before dinner drink, order your dinner, order an after dinner drink and never leave your seat. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And um, if you're drinking something with dinner, great. If you're not, like, you're probably not leaving. Yeah. So what does that do to like ticket times in terms of terms of like how long does a, a table sit? Do you, do you have to do you turn try to turn tables or do you? I mean, really, it's, it's all over the place, and that's something that was kind of intentional. Um, and it's something uh, that I love about places. Um. You know, there's some places you can go to where uh, its bar program holds up to the food program or vice versa, where sometimes you just want to go there and have a drink. But sometimes you want to go there and you're just looking for dinner and a beer. Sometimes you just want a good Sazerac and want to be out. Uh, Sometimes you want to have six different dishes and just hang out and, and really, like, spend your time there. But I think being able to create different experiences for different people um, under the same roof is something that's really special and really cool to do. Um, for example, like a Friday night, if, if you come in to stand by at a Friday night around five o'clock, there might be uh, a 65 year old birthday party and they have no idea what goes on there at midnight. Like they would be terrified. <laughs> what, what, what goes on there at midnight that would terrify them? Do you want uh, to talk just... about your anniversary party at all? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, I felt like there were some wide stories that came out of that. Yeah. Um, but like five to 10 typically on the weekends, you know, we, uh, it's more of a, a dinner crowd, a, uh, dinner crowd, pre-dinner cocktails crowd, post-dinner cocktails crowd. And it's kind of just a slower pace. We play some like, uh, Fila Cute and just Boom. like more, just like chill, chill vibes. Like the lights are up a little bit. Um, and what I really like is when, like, the people that come for dinner at 8 o'clock on a Friday or Saturday night just happen to, like, be there and for the transition. 
And then all of a sudden it's like hip hop, sing along, like the lights are turned down and the bass is way up, the music's way up and people are doing shots and we got to tell people to get down from off the tables. And it's like, what just happened? Like, where are we now? Like, it's just a totally different place. It's, it's pretty funny to see, to be in there. It's like, wow, this is totally different than how I remember it. How do you manage the service yeah. standards? Like the service standards for five to 10 and then all of a sudden, like there's a flip switched and or switch flipped rather flip switch switch flipped and people are on tables and what is the hospitality because i know you're a big guy hospitality guy so what does hospitality look like going from 5 to 10 p.m to 10 to 2 2 a.m honestly we really try to keep it pretty consistent um like how uh, that's another thing with like the different experiences like how cool is it to be um you know listening to just blaring hip-hop bass super loud you can barely hear the person next to you but the server comes by drops off a dish and explains it to you and then clears your extra b&b play like that is just something that people are just blown away about like like they're like oh he's not just like smashing our food on the table and just like doing whatever like he's like wiping off the crumbs and giving you a new fork and a, and a, and and a new knife for your next course. And it's 1130 and people are all over the place. So there's still this kind of like fine dining attitude or like this like elevated attitude that's yeah. happening, even with the dining experience while there is hip hop going on. I mean, a service standard, like a a service standard is maintained. Right? Yeah. Whether or not it's. You know. Yeah, definitely. Are people surprised by that? Like you just said, like are they, they're thrilled by it, or like- yeah, totally. I I think so. I think it's just like something they they don't really expect, and um, like once people get into a seat, or even when they're not in a seat, like, like we have, uh, like when the bar's two, three deep on a Friday or Saturday night, there's always somebody walking through just the crowd of people to take drink orders, and that that's and that's interesting because that doesn't happen in a ton of maybe kind of craftier bars in detroit yeah i feel like most of them kind of want you seated mm-hmm. it, it doesn't happen in craftier bars in Anywhere? any city like if you're at a busy place you have to go to the bar uh, for well like employees only that'll get deep like all day long it's like, also interesting to me because the the idea of like service and we recently went to new york and then i was recently in chicago this past weekend and um one of the things we've talked about before is this idea of like around town when you're in the industry and you visit places, sometimes you're going to get the best look that a place can give you, right? You're going to get good hospitality. They recognize you. So you don't always know. And then we went to New York and I was a little let down by the service that we got at a few of the places that I would have expected to have a little bit better service. But when I was in New York, I mean, uh, Chicago this past weekend, I had a really phenomenal service and that meant a lot to me and like totally elevated my perception of the experience and I came back like fired up about it. So where, where were you let down by? In New York? Um, I thought that we came off that feeling like the dead rabbit was not. Oh it yeah. Was a daytime yeah. It was a day shift. He it was, totally he blew my whole perception. Of it was, yeah. It was your first yeah. time there. No, I'd been there. I went there a couple years ago for my birthday. It was, yeah. The Friday, food, Saturday night. Yeah. Yeah. The food wasn't good. It wasn't, we were there in the middle of the day. It was Is this morning. upstairs? Yeah. Hmm. I mean, I love the Dead Rabbit. Mm-hmm. I think that what they're doing is amazing. Yeah. I think you know that as a group, they're they're fucking killing it. But Blue Hill is amazing, <clears throat> as we talked about. Right? Before, yeah, right? I yeah. I guess you're right. That I thought every other like the Breslin was great. Like I don't know. 
So okay, so can we talk about? Yeah, maybe. The, you're right. Sorry, we're side. Maybe point we drank a lot. Good points. I, I want to talk about the. Did whole we drink date, a lot? We did. <laughs> the whole day shift thing, because I hear yeah. that a lot everywhere. Like it's like you get a pass because it's a day shift. Like, well, you should. You should. That's kind of bullshit. I guess the way that I, I'm the way that I use that was, we went to, like, one of the best bars in the world, quote unquote, for lunch on like. A Monday. You know what I mean? And it was like, it's a little bit like, I don't, I'm not suggesting that I'm not. So it's one of the best bars in the world. It's not one of the best restaurants in the world. And so, you know, I, I think saying like, wow, that was one of the best meals I ever had. Well, like, we're not going to get that there. Right. If we, if you want the bar experience, the service as well. You go at night. The service was bad. The, I mean, it wasn't it's like yeah. circles of excellence, right? Though. I'm with like, you. I'm with not, you. Exactly. If that's not your thing. Then the golden circle, golden circle. Well, I'm with you. Well, so, okay. So this is a, a, the skip, right? So you guys run the skip as a concept too. And that's a totally different experience than the standby. How do you, your hospitality, like the, the focus of hospitality has to be kind of similar. Do, do you find a different customer coming into the skip and like, do you have to, I don't want to say lower the bar, but what, what do you do hospitality wise at the skip? It's different from the standby. Um, I, I think what we do is try to communicate as best as we can what it is. So like people really hopefully understand that, you know, this isn't a place where you um, sit down and, and get service. And I think that's part of, like I said before, like any space when you like look at beginning, like what is this going to be? What does it feel like? Um, what does it act like? Um, do you have any table service at the skip? Um, actually, we we tried in the winter. Uh, so since we got the enclosure, um, when the garage door is closed, I mean, there's only probably um, total 38 seats. So I think it's more manageable uh, to do some table service. And with two bartenders on, like we we tried that, and I think it's it's worked pretty well. But now we're kind of transitioning into the warm months again. And then it's just, it's crazy just how quick you can see, like, opening day, obviously, and, and even just, like, the day after. Uh, there's a baseball game. Baseball game gets out, and it happens to be a nice day, and it's like, oh, shit, we got to roll the garage door up. Now there's 75 people in here all of a sudden. Didn't really expect it. And, um, yeah, it's, it's the skip's uh, a very interesting thing for me to try to, because um, it's just been constantly evolving and the service aspects is something i always keep in mind uh, and how do we get drinks to people quicker um and how do we make people feel um like they know what they're doing or, or like they know what they should do should we go to the bar and order or do we sit down like the, the last thing you want for a guest is it to be confusing so it, it's something we're always working to improve on um, but it's, it's definitely, uh, definitely been a challenge. One of the things I liked at the skip is you really tried to elevate frozen drinks and really bring it front and center. So as opposed to just saying, you know, Hey, here's some frozen fill in the blank mix with blah, blah, blah. You actually put it right in the front of the bar. It's like probably one of the first things you see and you have what four machines. Yep. And yep. you're doing like cool drinks there. You're not like, they're not throwaways. They are, you're actually putting some culinary thought in yeah. those drinks. Yeah. And, and I think they're all pretty approachable. We're going to switch up a couple of them this year. Like we're going to have a French 75 on there instead of a daiquiri. Um, but yeah, having those front and center. You're not going to get rid of the Irish coffee though. 
No, never. Yeah. That's, that's, that's it's kind so, of, it's so decadent. The, like the, the whole kind of bar and feel was kind of inspired by the Irish coffee and just like New Orleans. Yeah. Like, um, like when the space was, um, shown to us, it was like, oh yeah, beer garden, beer garden. I'm like, that's so tried. Like, like, <clears throat> like but when you walk around New Orleans, there, those frozen drinks are everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere. I don't know yeah. who's doing them good. I mean, you guys are going to have to tell me. Aaron Rose. Okay. Yeah. And, and they use absolute garbage in it. They use like the cheapest cognac ever and powdered coffee and a couple other secret ingredients that I found out about. It's like, cream. oh, yeah, that's, that's what makes it delicious. That's one of them. Yeah. 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 And it's like, that's what makes it delicious. It's, it's a boozy milkshake. And, um, yeah, that like New Orleans was a huge inspiration for that because it's just, you just walk by places and, and you're like, oh, like, what is this? It's like a stranger magnet. Like you see four frozen drink machines lit up. 80 degree weather, like what else would you want? Yeah. Give me a hurricane in a six foot tall glass. Oh, yeah. ASAP. I mean, New Orleans has something called Black Death, which I think is kind of like, it's like frozen NyQuil, which is like terrible. But it sounds like don't, don't do that. would come up with for sure. <laughs> have you had? Have I've never No, heard really? Wow. No. Yeah. So I love NyQuil one. and I love frozen drinks. So. <laughs> My mind is just reeling right now. I'm like, I've never thought about mixing drinks with NyQuil. What is wrong with me? But it's a thing, you know. This whole it time. Is. Actually, speaking I've never of thought NyQuil, of that. Uh, we got a boomerang one time from Third Street Bar. Oh, God. And it was cough syrup. Those fuckers. <laughs> yeah. It does, I once it got mellow corn me. from someone at uh, Standby. Wait, wait, so boomerang. It's going to that, happen. That's a term that... So voices. explain what a boomerang is. So it's... It's just basically um, s- sending a shot or a round of shots from one bar staff to another. And it's it's also like a good opportunity of hospitality of basically like you find a really cool guest and a mule, a mule. Yeah. And you're you're entrusting them to do something that is pretty illegal. <laughs> <laughs> Not- and yeah, bring just, it across. Not like complete, super illegal. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. yeah, that's not, yeah. It's, There's no, no it's, money it's exchange. No, it's, it's not totally illegal. <laughs> totally illegal. It's not kind of illegal. No, it's fucking illegal. I mean, we do it all the time. But even still. I've been entrusted for one, and I'm trying to think where I took it. Chaz gave it to me, and I went to Mabel Gray, I think. Oh, uh, yeah. So. It's a fun, it's it's fun because it's a, it's a, it's a bar-to-bar competitive slash slash like rewarding thing so like you know we'll bad luck we'll send one to sugar house and it'll be like ah if you guys can't do this fuck you or whatever you know it's kind of this back and forth so this is fun back and forth but again you're like you're roping in the customer the guest to be the mule and they love it right because they're like oh yeah i'm like i'm in i'm in with these guys and it's it's a cool thing it's cool for everyone we did it we we I was at Attaboy and they sent us uh, from Attaboy to another place I went I can't remember what it was but uh, anyway what's Attaboy Attaboy is the old milk and honey in New York okay um, and they Sasha Petrasky's old place Sam Ross owns it now and they sent us to um, one of their other places and and they gave us a boomerang and I felt you know super cool you know what I mean <laughs> I mean it's a cool thing it's a cool thing to you know for guests to be part of it's fun with the bartenders so. Okay, so I have to ask about opening day. Um, opening day is kind of like a holiday in Detroit. And um, how is the average customer who comes around 
the skip on opening day different than the average customer comes in even on like a Friday night? There has to be a difference, right? Or no? Same person. Same person. No. <laughs> drunker. Uh, yeah, drunker. Same person, but drunker. Because yeah. um, you're not like cheap by any means. I mean, there's probably some drinks you can find, but you're not going to stand by for a cheap buzz. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, like, yeah, God, opening day. Uh, <laughs> it just, I mean, it was a, what, a week ago at this point. Yeah, so yeah. it's like it, fresh it was, in your mind and like, yeah. it was wild. Like, it, it was two times as busy as last year. Um, and there, there is no other day like it in Detroit. Like if you get just like a semi decent day and we happen to get that when it was supposed to be like snowing and thirties and forties and windy, like people just lost their shit and uh, I couldn't believe it. Like it was just like at four o'clock around when the game was letting, letting out, just, we just got flooded and you can just only fit so many people behind a bar to work. And it's just, I mean, people are just savages. Just did you, like, did you close, <laughs> was, did you close standby and you only did this? Yeah, one? we closed standby. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. That seems, that seems reasonable. I think it's the smart thing to do yeah. for just so many reasons. Yeah. There's a lot of nice things in there. And yeah. by the time we open at five o'clock, people are already toast. And yeah. if they have two or three standby drinks, it's just going to get ugly. Yeah. And how do you even, I mean, closing standby at that point, like, how do you even prepare if you live at the menu? Like, you can't elevate the the kind of cocktail scene at standby for Or is it even wanted? Yeah. Like, you know, people don't want that. I'm not going to guess what people want. Uh, I could, but I'm not going to. They want light beer. Yeah. It's like the one day, I, I remember before last year, Clarified um, Bud Light. Yeah. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> you lose the fizz, but then you recarbonate it. Boom. <laughs> nitro. Know, just... It's a nitro tap. Um, yeah. The first year we did opening day, I was very conflicted about it because, like, I've always been been a beer guy. Like, I have pops tattooed on my arm. And, like, before I got into cocktails, I was, like, a beer hoarder, beer freak. And I talked to some other people around the city, like Dave and Melissa at Motor City Wine. And then... um like people that aren't opening day places that, and they're like, yeah, we ordered 150 cases of Bud and Bud Light on that day. Like just, just do swallow it. swallow your just, pride. Yeah. Just, yeah. Just take it. Like that's all they want. Just give it to them. I'm like, okay, cool. So we, we, we did that. Like we have, you know, like this year we did Miller Light, High Life and we had like a few craft beers and then we just had four cocktails. Like we had our old fashioned gin and tonic, a Moscow mule, because that's what everybody really wants. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like a Paloma variation. So we just like, and then the frozen drinks. We had the frozen drinks. But uh, we just simplified it, but it wasn't simple enough. There's just so many people. Is there any sense that like, I know restaurants kind of hate like uh, restaurant week. Like, Is it the same type of like, you don't expect these people to come back, do you? Like, and I don't mean to like denigrate th- this mm-hmm. customer. But do you expect the opening day crowd to ever return? Uh, I definitely think they do, especially with like the the skip vibe and, and the alley, and like it, it, it's a very uh, kind of game day thing. Like you go to a Tigers game, like those all those people that went to the Tigers game and went to the alley. The next time they go to the Tigers game, they're going to remember that mm-hmm. place, and it's still like a very chill, like come as you are environment. Where I think it's it's perfect, and we definitely get repeat customers from that, even just like the Saturday after, like. 
um, you know, since we since we reopened the skip, we haven't really gotten busier on Friday and Saturday until like later in the night. Standby fills up, and then we start getting really busy over there. But uh, last couple of game days, like it's a bunch of people coming back from opening day. Like, oh, we we're here for opening day. Like, we didn't really get to try much, or it was crazy. Like, we wanted to check this place out, and we've already been getting getting a lot of that. Like every single time after the game lets out. What can you share about your uh, your new plans for the alley? You you acquired some new licensing, maybe? Yeah, yeah. So uh, so opening day, um, we have the liquor license expanded to the entire alley. So instead of going through all the um, bullshit of going through the city and pulling all the permits for additional bars and uh, closing off the alley to traffic, everything like that's already all taken care of. So we just have a liquor license for the entire alley. All we need is um, security guards. Security. Yeah, wow, that's, just that's incredible. Yeah, it's really cool. It's it's really exciting and really terrifying. Um, so from the alley, from from street to street, the whole way. Yep. Wow, that's insane. So it can be like a mini New Orleans. Cool. That's so amazing. Do you, have, Jeez, do you yeah. have plans for like um like additional like kind of like bar carts or? Yeah, yeah. We're we're going to uh, right out the gate really focus on just getting this the skip a lot more efficient like we already remodeled the underbar we got two like actual cocktail stations where Mm -hmm. last year was just like a used ice bin and whatever like whatever we piece together but there's like actual cocktails stations some like proper plumbing and like a hot water heater like we we really uh added a lot of infrastructure to (laughs) serve a lot more people and then once we get that really going then we'll start thinking about like satellite bars and park let's talk about rum rum and rahum not dicks i don't want to talk about dicks okay so yo dicks uh, is french we got barbancore rahum okay and we have plantation rum and i'm saying rahum because there's a it's spelled, there's an rh let me which uh According to this uh, Chamber Street wine site, tells me that uh, you really just like randomly Google something. Right I now? did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You so, could have done worse. R- Chamber R- Street's a great store in New York. Okay. Oh my yeah. god! Like so, Chamber Street is like the mecca of dork ass. Really? Like, wine dorks Aster across the, the country. No, Chamber Street's better. Is it? Okay. I mean, Aster is far larger. Mm-hmm. Sorry, but Chamber Street is fucking great. Uh, okay, so so Rahum is uh, agricole and. Rum with with no H is uh, Demerara, but you guys both told me that, or you guys all told me that this bar barbancore is not agricole. It's not agricole, but I don't know what the okay. So first of all, agricole versus Demerara, what the hell? Well, is all right, difference? to be a rum, you have to be made with some sort of sugar products. Okay, basically, to be a agricole, you it has to, to be fresh pressed sugarcane juice. Taste and smell like rum is the legal definition. Is like in you in the U.S. like. Okay. Rum is anything that tastes like rum from sugar. It makes oh, no sense. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, it's it's the most bullshit category. Um, but yes, you're right. Agricole is actual sugarcane juice that's fermented and still. Okay. So okay, so I have to. Maybe I should have kept reading. So the the demerara is a molasses rum, and then the the agricole is a, is a sugarcane. So is, uh, does that make sense? Uh, it's not quite no, molasses. God. It's not even, it doesn't, don't worry about it. I mean, don't, let's <laughs> no not, one cares, right? No, well, I mean, rum is such a like contrived bullshit category full of it's just coloring ca- and Captain flavoring Morgan's, and right? all kinds of crap. It's just fucking Captain Morgan's. That's the Morgan's. thing. Captain Morgan's is rum. Mm-hmm. It's probably 
ten percent food coloring yeah. and flavoring, but it's still called it. rum. Not dissimilar to some nine friends that we visited. Nine point zero nine. Yeah. Anyway, inside joke. Inside joke. <laughs> um, anyway, I don't want to upset our sponsors. Um, no, it's so I think the difference between rum R H U M and R U M is like the difference between whiskey with an E and whiskey without an E. Like some countries use it, some countries don't. Predominantly, you get it in the French influenced rums. Uh, Haiti would be one of one of those areas. Martinique. Places like that where you see a lot of French influence. And you also see a lot of agriculture out of Martinique. Um, so I think that's, I think that's all it is. I don't think it really is, it's not really a designation. But I could be wrong. Uh, so, okay. So call we're in, listeners, call in if I'm wrong. We're, we're listening. My we're mom does listening. not know the answer. To Both are drinking. <laughs> Jason's mom, call in right now. <laughs> uh, plantation, which we've had. Uh, a couple times, right? Yeah, so the interesting thing about this bottle is uh, uh, we've previously tried, we've talked about the Plantation single cast program. Um, a lot of their products, big fans of their products, Plantation Pineapple. It was invented for bartenders, right? Yeah, uh, the Stiggins. I don't know about the rest of the it's I, yoga. I wouldn't say the, right? No, no, no. That, I don't think the. Ish. No, so so you're talking about OFTD. Okay. Oh, that's just the oh, one. That's delicious. Uh, okay. And that, that was okay. a Wandrich, Paul McGee. Collaboration. They worked with Plantation. They came up with a really badass, overproof, got it, Demerarin rum that could probably compete with like Goslings or with a Crucian Blackstrap okay. or something like that. Um, not that that's overproof, but they're trying to come up with a really badass, mixable mm-hmm. uh, rum. And the beauty of Plantation is, uh, and and Joe Joe went there. Uh, well, you went to Cognac, Pierre Ferrand, the parent company. Yeah. Um, these guys make Cognac, but they also make. Phenomenal rums, and they're they're very bartender friendly. Like, they're kind of budget friendly too, aren't they? they? Well, that's what I mean. Yeah, like it's price point. Yeah, they're really really good for the price. Yeah, of, yeah. they're phenomenal. Um, they're they take they have a great support system, so they take good care of the people that support them, which is nice because bartenders get flown to wherever, all kinds of shit. Um, and so there's a lot of upside to this brand, and they're cool. So that's Pure Friend. It's also Plantation Rum. Um, they're doing really cool stuff. They're badasses on Instagram. They like. Interact with people. They answer questions. Yeah, they, they like they, stuff. Their branding is yeah is on you know yeah. That's why. So yeah, the the plantation single cast series to me, I'm willing to pay a little bit of a premium anytime I travel. Um, we we had the Panama uh, rum before. This time, as I said earlier, I was in Chicago. Uh, Binnie's uh has this Haitian XO single cast, so I picked it up. Um, I already had the rum barbing court, so uh, basically an opportunity to just try to try these Haitian rums side by side, even though they're really nothing alike, not even close. Um, The plantation single cask is finished in white Pinot, whereas we had a Panama, Panamanian rum that was finished in red Pinot de Charente. Yeah, Pinot de Charente, which is, uh, Joe, you want to chime in on this? It's like a dessert wine from a region of Cognac. Cognac, yeah. And so, yeah. Plantation, uh, they they actually make one themselves. Uh, They have a Pinot, Pinot de Charente. That um, they make. I don't know if it's aged in those barrels that mm. that they uh, that they do, but it's fortified wine. Um, fortified. I believe it's fortified with a little bit of cognac. Yeah, I think my, you're right. It's like mistaken. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a sweet wine and cognac, and yeah, it's blended together. Really nice stuff. The the kind of port like then? Yeah, but no. no. Uh, uh, More su- sweet. Yeah, sweeter, but but also. Uh, 
a little bit more acidic, you know, like the best ones have really great acidity to them and a great balance. Really Do we get any in Michigan? E- talk to Eli. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Um, he, he's got some incredible. How would you compare beers. it to the cooking sherry that Nick brought? I'd say it's, yeah. What's a point and a half better than? There, there's some story with a, with a Pinot de, de Chiron where it's just like the, uh, the wine barrels were sitting underneath the cognac barrels and then it leaked into them. And like, that's how it was invented. I, I forget. That's a great what story. It is, I don't know what that's Their marketing is. I love on it. Point. It's so on point. Yeah, Pinot de Chiron is one of those we weird things. We need a story. We need we a good story like that. We do. We do. Oh, like um, St. Germain and their kind of BS story. Yeah. Yeah. About like, you know, the naked ladies that go out and pick flowers on the hillside or something. Oh, really? I hope they're not sponsors. No, not not for us. Okay. Not at this rate. No. They're, the smoke on this, I don't know where that smoke is coming from. Am I, or if I, I might be the only one. But no, I'm, I'm like with you. I have the other one now. I drank the other one. You're it's talking very, about the plantation, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's eight years in a bourbon cask. I mean, there's smoke From sometimes. That? Yeah, I, often. I mean, it's very tobacco-y and leathery, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really nice. Can I ask what this was, uh, price point in this guy? Yeah. Uh, this one was forty nine ninety nine plus Chicago tax. Uh, so I think it was like 75 50, Yeah, 50 Chicago tax. Yeah. yeah. 70, I had, I 70 the, percent tax in Chicago. I really wanted, they had a Barbados, uh, like a, uh, an old Barbados single cast that was finished in like cherry wood, um, something unique I hadn't seen before, but the budget was being stretched. But yeah, the, I, I try to pick up one of these because it, I just love the product. comes in a great box. The bottle's great. You can look online. We'll post pictures of it on the website. Uh, but yeah, it's just, it's great branding, great product. Um, I haven't been disappointed so far. No, they're all, they're all very unique and all very yeah. interesting. Chateau de Rignac. That's the other Pinot de Chiron I was thinking about. De Rignac. Yeah. So tell us, Joe, a little bit about the experience. So you 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 visited Pierre Ferrand. Yeah. Um, how did, and how did that come up? They were just like, yo, you get on the bus? Yep. We get on the bus to France. We just, we had plantation and our daiquiri and our frozen machine and sold 8,000 daiquiris. So like, hey, you want to go to Paris and Cognac? And I'm like, uh, yeah. Um if I I drink a lot of plantation daiquiris, so if I drink that many daiquiris, do you think they'll? I think so. Awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Squad, Some to work. Summer squad goals. goals. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Boom. But uh, they took us to Paris for three days, and they kind of just took us around to different like cocktail bars and restaurants, and and um, kind of just showed us the city. Then we took the train to Cognac, and we stayed at the Maison Ferrand um, for a couple days, which is just like kind of like. Up north Michigan, but up north Paris, kind of, you know, like it's, it's got that same feeling, but, um, instead of like hunting and boating, it's cognac and wine. Hmm. So it's, it's, that sounds like more my speed. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, and we had like right when we got there, we had like four bottles of Pinot de Chirant. We're just like, playing catch with football it's totally just like hanging out and we got to try like the plantation pineapple um in its mass maceration stages with like the, the white rum with the um flesh and the dark rum with the rinds and then the master blender kind of uh led us through like the process and coming up with it and and sort of how much they used and they gave us like the distillate uh of the white and the dark before 
and we got to like kind of blend our own. Um, and they showed us some of their weird, like old Jamaican stuff, uh, and talked about the, the dunder pits a lot, mm. which is a very interesting thing that happens in the Jamaican rum world. Like that rain nephew smell when you crack open a bottle and you smell that funk and weirdness. Like that all comes from the dunder pits, which is just like where they're fermenting their rum is like, just dead goats and maybe even workers and like birds flying over just all right in all serious like, note is are, are there like like animal products potentially in there there's potentially anything humans in there okay like, who knows <laughs> like and it's like heavily guarded I suddenly like rum jam way more yeah and, and like they they don't show people the pits or anything and it's um and that's, that's what makes jamaica Jamaica's rum, so funky, so funky. Is there just all kinds of the like, bodies, weird shit? The bodies, yeah. And it's just open, so like birds fly over it. They shit in it. Like it's just, it's whatever. It's, it's wild. So they're crazy. fermenting. It's so it's open air fermentation. That's what you mean? Yep. Totally yep. outside. Wow. Like a tar pit. Exactly. Oh. And of, just anything. Rum. anything. I mean, if you were one fun. of the workers that died in there, you. Probably would be pretty happy on your way out. It's like rye. It's like, you know, that's like one of the guys. They named yeah. it after him. No. Mm. What? Is that Ryan Nephew? I heard that story. No? Oh, Ryan. Ray? 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 Ray. I'm a noob. I don't believe I don't you. know. You're the beverage director I know, in right? Detroit. Cocktail. We'll, we'll so, title. Jamaican rum? Probably not vegetarian. Mm. Is it gluten free, though? Definitely. It's distilled out. It's got to be, right? Gluten free. <laughs> I'm gluten free entirely except for bagels and pizza. Other than that, totally gluten free. Pass me that beer. Gluten free beer is terrible. Plantation, it was, it was pretty cool to see. Like, you know, I went there, um, went to Pierre Fran thinking it's like, oh, all right, we're just going to drink all this kind of cognac. And then come to find out they're like intense about their rum. And we went to like two different barrel houses they had just full barrels from back to like 60s 70s like trinidad uh haitian rums uh i mean just barbados whatever like all over the place uh from all these different years and they like blended them like put them in different barrels uh that they were just crazy into rum they almost seemed more interested in rum than they were in cognac i'm Mm. like like what's going on here (laughs) like i'm assuming the food was terrible too right oh it actually was pretty bad. Was it really? Yeah. I mean, it wasn't like impressive or anything. Like it, it you weren't there for the food. No, yeah. no. And the, and the cock. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, the cocktails were bad. Hmm. They were really bad. Interesting. I won't say where I went. But, but rum is one of those things where it's like, for the most part, if someone comes to a bar and orders a rum and coke, it's like Captain Morgan's, right? Like, so. That's, feel like that's changed. Captain Morgan's but, is huge in Paris. They had it in all really? the cocktail bars. Really? Yeah. Yep. Is yep. it the same formula? There's American dollars. Yeah. Yep. But like literally, there's a there's this New Orleans theme cocktail bar went to in Paris and they had all these like Captain Morgan cocktails. They're just like, what is going on? This is crazy. But like Captain Morgan is everywhere. It's everybody's favorite spirit. It's so weird. Well, uh, just mind. this week they got uh, Diageo got bumped for number one. I don't know if you guys saw that. By mm-hmm. whom? Beam um, no, the um, 
uh, Chinese uh, by by ten or I think oh. by by Chow. What, by, what what does any of that mean? What is Diageo? What well, is... so Diageo's was the biggest liquor brand. They own a lot of the products like Captain Morgan, right? Uh, I assume so. Yeah. And uh, they got bumped yes, by a Chinese company. Morgan, yeah. Yeah, okay. They got bumped by a Chinese company, which makes a, a Chinese spirit. By by Chen, by Chow, by something. I know what it is. It's a there's there's a shochu that we have at Sugar House. That is real okay, Mm. but it's that very that reddish whitish bottle, and it's that's the biggest drunk spirit in the the world, and they're now it. That's great, great. Like by by dollars, a red and white bottle. Yeah, like it's not not red stripe. You're not. We're talking about Muay Thai, are we? No, I think I think it's a a form of shochu. Is it? I don't know. I could be totally wrong. There's this shit that the. Called Mutai, that's like in a red and white, it's like rocket fuels and Asian businessmen drink it during meetings and it's terrible. Hmm. It's so bad. Um, I was given. But does it work though? Probably. I was oh, it, given, is, it, was, it is Mutai. It is Mutai. Kwai Chow Mutai yeah. takes over Diageo's world's most valuable distiller. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Mutai is, is uh, terrible in terms of flavor. Um, it gets the well, job. Maybe done. you were drinking like the Captain Morgans of Mutai. I pro- probably, maybe. Yeah, yeah, red and white. That's what I was. Yeah. Okay. Well, Sazerac brand makes a shit ton of money off Fireball, so they knows? make more money off Fireball than they do all their whiskeys yeah. put together, which includes Buffalo Trace, Blanton's, Rockwell Farms, Pappy Van Winkle. So I mean, if that's what keeps <laughs> all the, of that, yeah, not as much as on. Fireball. So keeps yeah. the lights on. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So skip. Stand by. Fireball. People come in asking for fireball often. And do you have fireball? Staff, immediate step. <laughs> Not often and, and no. <laughs> Not often and no. You don't have it. Do you try yeah. to push so it towards people, something? Do, yeah. Is there some, so if someone comes in and is like, I want six shots of fireball, what do you give them? What, um, do, you, what do you offer in, in, in like response to I that? I don't have fireball, but I can make you six tasty shots. Okay. Just, like, I, I mean, I, I, I mean this, this honestly, has to be the bartender's dilemma, right? Yeah. Like, you, like fireball sucks, right? And, and um, what what is yeah? So you're just like not gonna try to recreate Fireball, uh, artisan yeah, Fireball. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not, Dude, I'm not we suggesting. Do it yeah, now. yeah, we can do it. Yeah, I mean it wouldn't be that hard. Yeah, you know. Actually, you know what challenge accepted? I'm talking about because challenge accepted. We did try and recreate Fireball for the skip. Like we actually tried doing like a cinnamon and something tequila with. I I don't know, but. It tasted kind of like Fireball, and then we're like, "What are we doing?" Like, I, 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 I'll confess something. So I, I was at a, a friend's house and on opening day, and, and um, he gave me something. It was like rum chata and Fireball, and it was sounds tasty. No, really, I don't know. I like rum chata and Jägermeister. <laughs> it tastes like Captain Crunch. <laughs> What's that called? Is that so, called? Captain I think it's called the Captain Crunch. So it's really good. So let's let's go down this road. Uh, this guilty pleasure kind of like uh, fast food booze road. Mm, fast okay. booze. So, Fast booze. Is it something? I don't is know. Is that something? Let's make it a thing. Because rum chata, I think, is in the same. Sure. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, ask Dave I, about bourbon cream. What? Don't fuck with my bourbon cream. <laughs> What's bur- so, okay, hey, so, hey, it's made by Sazerac. That's true. I don't know what bur- They also know. make Fireball. Bourbon cream. Bourbon cream is the Bailey's, is Sazer- the Sazerac Distillery's answer to Bailey's Irish. It's a, it's like manly Bailey's. There's it's a couple like men. Yeah. It's like bourbon. Yeah. It's like bourbon, creamy bourbon. And oh my goodness, is it delightful. <laughs> is it better it than is, Kringle cream? It, it is. Oh God, it's phenomenal. It's got everything you want. It's like, it's like when you get that perfect cup of coffee. It's like 
just a little bit of cream, a little sweet, but he still tastes coffee, but with bourbon. It's fucking amazing. But, but isn't a bourbon cream a thing? Like, isn't that like something you guys can do at I your don't know. bar? Or you can no, buy it in a bottle. I'm just saying, yeah, fucking sit a bottle in my freezer. Bro. What the fuck? No. Don't harsh me. Just pour it in there before I go to work. Boom. It's great. <laughs> so great. All right. So, well, you brought it up. Do you have your, like, guilty pleasure cocktail? <laughs> I, I did. I literally am talking about this from opening day, this rum chata mm-hmm. fireball thing. It wasn't terrible. <clears throat> it, it was, I don't know. Like, I'm, I feel kind of dirty even talking about it. When I'm yeah, at. Yeah, that's a cinnamon toast crunch shot. Oh, is that what that is? Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Rum chata and fireball. Sorry, I wasn't listening <laughs> earlier. Uh, if I'm at like uh, a movie yeah, theater. Cinnamon toast crunch shot. It's great. <laughs> if I'm at like a movie theater or like a wedding or something that doesn't have a lot of things, I will totally do like a rum and coke. Because it's it'll, it's a pick me up, it's booze, and if there's not a lot of options, I will totally do that. Yep. I ask you George Hennessy right out of the bottle. That's my guilty pleasure. But you can't order that at a bar. You can't order Hennessy right out of the bottle, mm, like in your face. Like, you can't just get a bottle of service. There's <laughs> <laughs> a few places. There's a few places. Let's bring back bottle service. So, yeah. Right. yeah, like, was, like you, that you, at? you guys doing bottle service at the at, at Skip? I, <laughs> there is a price tag. I've been asked at standby. Really? Yep. Yeah. Do you just like multiply something by like twenty or something? Or? I don't know. Like once in a while, like somebody asks, I'm like, fine, <laughs> fuck it. Like it's like twelve thirty and it's crazy. Like you want a bottle of kettle one? We'll put it in a pineapple full of ice. Three fifty. You got it. Yeah, that's that's great. Sure. I love. I've that. got this really great accessory. I love that. that. I I'm totally into that. Like, <laughs> not buying it, but. Yeah, yeah, being yeah. able to sell it. it's like that's fucking. We awesome. should do an episode about bottle service because I think it's we should. fucking ridiculous. Uh, I've been trying to get a hold of the. Um, the we should do it from some place that has bottle service. <laughs> yeah, now you're talking. <laughs> we should do it around a table yeah. with bottle service and see how long it takes. Because I, I kind of like the fireworks that happen sometimes. The the uh, the sparkler or whatever the hell that shit. Oh, okay. is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to do fo- photography for Real Detroit, and like, that was that was a shot. And people are like, get the shot of the bottle being served for the table. Were you at an ultra lounge? <sighs> Maybe. <laughs> Is Sugar House an ultra lounge? Not anymore. <laughs> Not anymore. Recently, it was very recent. Yeah. Standby, it's an we ultra lounge. Out, we moved out of it. We moved out of it. <laughs> micro club? Yeah. As, a, as, a, as another. Oh, micro club. Is that that's really a, a thing? Is that something that's happening? So, so, somebody called it that. Oh, my God. Micro what? Club? Standby? A micro club? Yeah. Wow. On Yelp? Oh, no. No, I don't. I, I think they told it to me, like, to my face. Mm. Nice micro club asshole. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. I love um, that. All right. Did you commission those two giant discs up on the wall or like, where did those come from? Uh, Anthony, he, okay. uh, him and his wife, JJ own Fiber Street Collective and, um, they know Kelsey Brooks and that's kind of where the design started from. Like where those colors two pieces, and yeah. everything, like we knew those were going to be in there. So like, let's pick the colors and everything from that, which, Made it a lot easier. Yeah. Super cool. And t- Tad was there. Check on that. Yep. Cool. So, Joe, are there any events coming up uh, at Standby or uh, Skip? Um, thinking about having a derby party um, in the in the alley. I think it'd be fun. Can uh, I wear a big lady's hat? Absolutely. Silly, Will there be televisions? Encourage. There is a television. Ooh. Illegal better. Broadcasted. No illegal better. Mint juleps. Frozen mint juleps. Ooh, all right. Yeah, I like it, man. I like this a lot. Joe, thanks for being with us. We'll be back next time with more food beverage. Mm-hmm.